So good evening. We will continue with our discussion of the Bhagavat Sandarbha of Srila Jiva Goswami with a little bit uh, deeper uh, review of the 40th Anucheta. Unlimited forms of Bhagavan exist in one form. So the primary Praman verse is a verse spoken by Brahma in his prayers to Lord Krishna. It's from the 14th chapter of the 10th canto. O greatest one, O supreme person, O self of all selves, O master of all mystic yoga power, who knows where or how or to what extent or when you expand your yoga maya potency and enact your activities within these three worlds. So this particular verse and the next verse of Lord Brahma's prayers will uh, bring to a conclusion this section of the Bhagavat Sandarbha. And then when I say this section, I mean this section that's been primarily devoted just to these prayers of Lord Brahma. So Brahma's saying here, no one understands Bhagavan's mind. Who knows when, where, how. Uh, And how many, how much the Lord will display himself. No one can determine these things. Now we see sometimes the sages, uh, they've given us in Shastra some indications as to the when and which forms will manifest at some time. But um, these are also coming to them through revelation. So Brahma's viewpoint is more more of a general viewpoint. It isn't to say that the Lord cannot follow a schedule of appearance according to his own scriptural injunction which he's made. Because ultimately the Vedas themselves are coming from the Supreme. So he's posed four Rhetorical questions here. When, how, how many, by what means, and where will the Supreme manifest himself? No one knows. No one can say these things. No no one of their own volition can, can arrive at, at, at some conclusion in this regard. Certainly, and certainly no one who's uh, within the Lord's external potency, who has no connection with transcendence and descending knowledge, can know these things at all. So to answer these questions, Brahma has also used in this same, this very same verse, for addresses or ways of nomenclatures for the Supreme. 
gumon, which means all-pervading, Bhagavan means one who contains all opulences. Paratma means the unlimited capacity of the absolute truth, the supreme. And Yogeshwar meaning the unlimited power of the supreme. And these four nomenclatures or methods of addressing the supreme that Brahma has used in this one verse correspond or answer the four questions because they bring out the qualities of the Supreme which correspond to the questions that he himself has posed. So Brahma's, Brahma's posed, nobody can know when, where, how, and in what quantity the Supreme will manifest himself within the material manifestation and they don't know these things but these four nomenclatures answer to some extent the questions themselves. How does he do it? How does he do these things? So the question of where is answered by the nomenclature for the Supreme of Bhuman. He is, he is completely independent and he can manifest himself anywhere he likes. So the where question is answered by this address to the, of Buman. Because Buman is referring to his all-pervading qualities. So the Lord is all-pervading and this word, Buman, is an address of that that of the supreme that brings out this quality meaning all pervading the absolute truth who is all pervading buman bhagavan of course we're more familiar with the word the address bhagavan um, replete with inconceivable potencies and this answers the question of how how can the supreme manifest himself it's not a problem he has inconceivable potencies how many or how much or to what extent can the supreme manifest his form is answered by the accolade paratma paratma refers to those unlimited qualities and acts that the Supreme could perform. And the fourth question, when, when can the Supreme manifest his forms, is answered by the address of Yogeshwar, the master of all internal potency, or the controller of unlimited time. He who controls all, all potencies, one of which and the most predominant of which in the material realm is time, all within the world is ruled. In fact, the whole material manifestation, time is that last ingredient that sets everything into motion within the material realm.
So without time, there's no, there's, there's really no manifestation. This is the one ingredient, so to speak, or one potency of the Supreme who puts, puts the whole show, puts the whole show on. Without time, what is the question of progressing to from the unmanifest to the manifest and then back to the unmanifest again? So the cycle, the whole cycle of material manifestation is running under the power of the Lord's energy of time. So this answers the question of when this potency of the Lord addresses, the address to the Lord uh, entails an understanding and an appreciation for this aspect of his being the master of all opulences or mystic potencies Yogeshwar anybody that would say that they fully know exactly how all this comes about or in other words how the Lord fully functions everything about the Lord is grossly ignorant. However, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to understand him to the extent that he makes himself available to us, or that it's impossible to know him at all. He can certainly make himself known to us with his same, the same potency by which he can make himself unknown to us. So it's completely as his discretion to what extent we can know or not know him. But it's uh, to fully know is the point that also Brahma arrived at in his in these very prayers. Anyone who claims to fully understand you, they may think like that. For me, I can't hardly know anything about you. And this is Brahma, the creators, who's probably the most informed of any living entity within it, within this universe. I mean, I realize he's a young Brahma, and he's he's he doesn't have as many much directional input as other Brahmas, being limited to only four four directions, four heads, four, the four faces of Brahma. Sometimes they're seen as, uh, as minimal in comparison to some other universal Brahmas, controllers and creators of other universes that have tens, hundreds, thousands, using the word millions as they're incomprehensible. We need to understand, we'll, we, can, we can never fully understand the Supreme, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't aspire to understand him to the extent that he would be so kind as to reveal himself to us. Now, Agrora also offered a similar prayer regarding this multiplicity of forms of the Supreme. He also had a revelation uh, why he was still in the Vraj, performing his thankless task, taking Krishna away, and he prays, Others also whose minds have been purified according to regulations established by you become absorbed in you and worship you as the one form 
containing a multiplicity of forms. He uses this, this kind of address to the Supreme. And Krishna himself even uh, tells us somewhat like this in the Bhagavad Gita. I reveal myself to all who surrender unto me exactly in accordance with the established nature of their surrender. Then Jiva goes on to explain how the Lord is seen in one specific of this multiplicity of forms according to the worship of his devotee. So Jiva quotes a text from the Vedanta Sutra, because worshippers have differences in knowledge, their perception of the Lord of the Lord differs accordingly. So as you approach, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, as you approach, I reciprocate accordingly. Vedanta Sutra is saying, yes, and as you uh, as your knowledge is developed, according to Sangha association, you will start to appreciate a form of mine and that form uh, will take precedence and one of those forms one of those visions one of those darshans will take precedence in your worship and will become predominant now remember when we're talking about form of the Lord it should be understand we're not talking about just a visual visualization with the eye. We're talking about it's a whole package. So a form of the Lord is not just seeing the Lord, it's smelling the Lord, tasting the Lord, you know, uh, every, all the senses, hearing the Lord, hearing his sweet voice, feeling his body, or touching his body, or serving his body, his form in some way. And then all the action senses also are working uh, in devotional service to the Supreme. So this darshan of the Lord is not one-dimensional, it's fully dimensional. And all the senses are filled with that particular way of appreciating the Supreme. Also, in regards to this particular verse from the Vedanta Sutra that Jiva Goswami has, has put forth saying that worshippers of the Lord will experiencing him differently or have darshan of a particular form of the Lord uh, according to their knowledge and their knowledge as we said is picked up by their association and Baladev uh, in his Govinda Bhashya, his explanation of the Vedanta Sutra, goes into this a little bit. And he first of all deals with, in his commentary, of course the Purvapaksa, the oppositional statement could be there, well the Lord is one. So, couldn't ultimately or shouldn't ultimately the revelation of every worshiper of the Supreme culminate in the same experience. It's a logical argument in opposition to this. In other words, there should be a uniform revelation 
Everyone should see God the same way if they're all worshiping God. <clears throat> but Vyasadeva, in the sutras himself, has pointed out that the vision of the Supreme comes in accordance with one's bhava. According to the principle of faith, tatkratu nyaya is according to one's faith. Then, as we mentioned in the last class and in the, the text, we're now covering the commentary, but in the text of the Anucheda, um, Srila Jiva Goswami has used the example of the iridescent cloth or a gemstone uh, as all of these forms are contained in one form. It's one gemstone but everybody sees a different color according to the angle of vision or according to the light that you put on the gemstone. So according to the light of your worship of your intelligence of your knowledge of the supreme you're you you also are investing so you're you're also giving some some light to the supreme by your knowledge and the, what's coming back is based upon that just like when you're looking at an iridescent cloth you're seeing it but you're seeing it from your angle of vision your angle of vision has been developed by what? By your sadhu sangha, by your sampradaya. You've been exposed to the sadhus of a particular viewpoint. And we accept this particular vision of the Supreme. It's not that we discount these other viewpoints, it's not that the other colors or the other angles of vision do not exist. They exist. Now we may want to argue and say, but we think ours is the best, but do we really have a position when one's in love, then it doesn't matter. You you embrace your lover, warts and all. <laughs> so... Not that Krishna has any, but we think our Krishna is a little sweeter than your Narayan. Uh, we can argue some points philosophically, but we can't argue your love. That we can't argue. We can't argue the depth of your love. How deep is your love? There was a song, How Deep Is Your Love? As deep as their love is, that's how much they appreciate there's no arguing with that. Jiva also used the a verse from the Bhagavatam or a section of the Bhagavatam that brought out a uh, a verse wherein Krishna was seen to change his form. Now, well, they could have used a few verses, but he uses a ver used a verse in this particular Anucheda uh, wherein... Um, Aditi and Kashapa saw the different manifestations of the Supreme. The backstory is that Bali Maharaj had absorbed the kingdom of heaven. He'd taken over and killed, kicked out all the all the demigods. So these 
demigods or the offspring of Aditi, and she she prayed to the Supreme to reinstate her children in their rightful place in heaven. They're in charge of the universe, and along comes this guy, and he's kicked them all out, and he's more powerful than they are, and I need some help. Can you help my children in this regard? And she she uh, performed a, uh, a vrat, a, uh, a sacrifice, some austerity, uh, payovrata, for 12 days to please the Supreme. Uh, so it wasn't long for, for her, and he actually appeared. So the verse is that he appeared from the unmanifest. He wasn't there, and then he manifested. So he came from nowhere. So he came from Brahman. He came from the spiritual energy of the Lord, which is all-pervasive. So there he is. Vishnu appeared. And then before their very vision, that very form of Vishnu transformed into a young Brahmana boy, Vamanadev, who was perfect, the perfect manifestation of the Supreme to, to deal with the, with the matter at hand. So he had a specific way of dealing. Uh, and he did some dealing with Bali Maharaj and he dealt himself into Bali dealt himself into uh, the lowest planetary system but he got to take you know Vamana with him so it was a pretty good deal in the prayer of Aditi where she explains this transformation of form she says just like a theatrical dancer I mean actor you've you made this change right before my very eyes so one may question how could someone use such an analogy in referring to the Supreme just like a, a theatrical dancer and Jiva points out that there's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with her use of this as a proper analogy when it comes to the manifestations of various forms by the Supreme um, because we also use another analogy when it comes to the Supreme in that he, he, ma he does the whole material manifestation just like a spider weaves his web that he himself from his own body a web comes and then he draws the web back in himself well, you could say that analogy also is inappropriate because there's no way the spider could m make the web without consuming insects to begin with to make the, the materials he utilizes for the web. Whereas the Supreme Lord, he makes the web with his own energies. But still we accept these such analogies because they, they give us there, there's something that we can relate to in these analogies and they allow us some entrance into an understanding 
even though, though the supreme is completely beyond our comprehension. So Jiva's brings forth it's these kind when Shastra puts forth these kind of of comparisons to things that we have some experience of, it's acceptable. It's not to be discounted when we see such things in the scripture. Then we come to another important section, and it can't be emphasized enough when it comes to an approach for the Supreme Lord, especially at this this particular time of man. And I was talking about today. We're in a very, very unique period of what some people think is an evolution of thought and spirituality in the world. We've come so far. So there's actually this thought, we've come so far. We are the new age spiritualists. And they have these nomenclatures and they create their own societies and they have their yoga galleries and they sit and they all talk about their conceptions. And this is very much in vogue right now. Your spirituality, my spirituality, our spirituality, we're all spiritual. I have to respect what you and you have to respect what I and we respect everyone. We think that this approach, we have become convinced by good association that, that the best approach to spirituality is an approach that relies upon those people who have actually had revelation. And we're not talking about the revelation that comes as the result of a mental speculation. Now I realize you you may not accept that you could these modern spiritualists will say, Well, what I'm thinking is spiritual and what you say you had a revelation of, what's what's the difference? Well, there seems to be something to be said for the the overriding agreement by the transcendentalists as to the nature of their spiritual revelation or what we would say all-encompassing darshan of the Supreme. There's some correlation coming through eons of time as revealed in Scripture. We have to look carefully to that to see if there is some validity to the fact that there may be a consensus revelation that's reached through a practice which is given to us by those who have actually tread the path of revelation. So therefore this particular verse from the Bhagavatam is 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 key to understanding having darshan with the Supreme. And it's from the third canto, and it's spoken by Brahma. 
O Master, this is at the time he's he's praising the Lord, and and this is at the in a dis, discussion happening at the the beginning of the creation. O Master, you take your seat in the lotus heart that has been made worthy of you through love, praying. Even so, the path by which you can be seen is through hearing. Out of kindness towards your devotees, O Lord, you are greatly who are greatly glorified. Your devotees are greatly glorified. You manifest the very form that they meditate on, appearing to them in that form. So in this verse we find this Sanskrit phrase Shru take sita patho. So patho is path. The path is taken. Shruta iksita. Shruta hearing. We're hearing from the shruta, from the authority. Iksita. Iksi. Like istadeva. You hearing, through hearing, through our ears, we are hearing of a specific manifestation of the Supreme. So this verse is speaking about seeing the Supreme beginning through the ears, through hearing from what? From the Shruti, the Shrutsita. So the real path for seeing God is by hearing about God from those who have what? Seen God. That's where the vision begins. And that's what Brahma is saying here in this verse. Shruta Iksita, seen through the ear. Batha. From this verse we understand that this does not mean that one can meditate on any concocted form. Rather, the form must be authorized as heard from the authorized source, the Veda. This is the significance of Guru Parampara, especially in this age. If humanity can come at least, especially with so many currents of thought out there that rely upon nothing but a lack of revelation, a lack of discipline or disciplic, and I'm talking not about so much discipline as the ability to sit and hear, that in and itself is a great discipline to those that think that their mind is as qualified as somebody who's actually had revelation, who has had a bona fide experience. And that experience may not extend to anything more than hearing, but their hearing alone is the method of seeing. That darshan is through the hearing process. It will manifest to all of the senses in due course of time, 
But it begins with the hearing. <coughs> so the ear is the is is the is the entrance. The sound vibration is the entrance. It's the subtlest form of comprehension. Now Sutta Goswami also says, hearing about Krishna and glorifying him is a most holy activity. For when one listens to such topics, the Lord residing in the devotees' hearts destroys whatever inauspiciousness remains there still. So what a difference in hearing. That there's a transcendental potency to hearing that the Lord himself, simply by, by that discipline, just by observing that discipline in someone, he's immediately taking action. Oh, at least they're disciplined enough to hear about me from somebody who has heard about me. And through their hearing has become more disciplined in hearing. So it's a refinement. This devotional service is a refinement of, of primarily hearing. And the more refined the hearing, the more in-depth the hearing, the more informed the hearing, the more discrimination that is utilized in hearing so that we hear in the proper way and that we over the course of time are able to throw off misconceptions bad hearing anarthas hearing and arriving at conclusions which aren't based on the revelation of people who have actually heard it all to such an extent that they've ended any hearing and any engagement that's not said percent transcendent. So even in this world they're walking as the sadhus walk. They have themselves become those sadhus. Now some say that one projects certain qualities from their, their mental impressions and those qualities are taken on by the Supreme. So as I think of God, God will become. But by the use of the term vibhavayanti, this meditation on a form of the Lord or a bhava, a relationship, a manifestation of the Lord, it doesn't, it doesn't promote, what Brahma is speaking of here is not promoting any kind of anthropomorphism that the Lord has a human form or zoomorphism, he has a material form, an animal form, so he doesn't have a human form or an animal form. We should not think like that. His form is transcendental. A purusheya. It has no human origin. 
So the Supreme doesn't have a, a form that is manifest from our mental thinking of him in his particular way, as a particular human form or a particular animal form. He manifests as he desires. He comes according to, to his, and he shows himself to his devotees as he desires. And that's according to the way they worship him. And he appears what? Sad Anugraha. In the same verse from Brahma, Sad Anugraha. To bless his devotees, he manifests a form. Also in this verse, we find the use of the terminology Natha, master or husband. And it's important. Devotee, the, the devotee of the Lord, the pure devotee of the Lord, has control over him just like a chaste wife controls her husband. This is spoken about elsewhere in the Bhagavatam by Krishna himself. A faithful wife wins her husband's love by her loyalty. I am similarly won over by my devotees whose hearts are completely bound to me while showing equanimity to all beings. It's said, Jiva brings out also in this annotated, the fact that there's a hierarchy to the forms of the Lord and that hierarchy is, de is dependent upon in other words, we as students of the Bhagavat can see that uh, according <coughs> excuse me, according to the the purity of the loving relationship that one has with the Lord, the sweetness of the Lord for, form is manifest differently. So the 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 deeper their love, their the purity of their love. If it's colored with some desire, like someone wants to have residence on the same planet of the Lord, or have the same powers of the Lord, or, or be in his association. So, there's some color. It's still a fully spiritual desire on their part, but still there's some color to it. And the form that the Lord manifests in their reciprocation with that form of Vaikuntha form of the Lord Narayan, Lakshmi Narayan uh, comes with these what we call different kinds of liberation into transcendence so there's different liberations some people want to actually just merge with the form of the Lord become part of his body most Vaishnavas look down on that kind of a desire, but it exists in in the transcendentalists. There is some some people that have just this is the this is the extent to which they to which they they visualize and desire to interact in transcendence. Some people want to live on the same planet. Once some people want to have the same form as the Lord, exact same form. So these different kinds of liberations. So 
what Jiva's bringing out here is there's different degrees of the relationship and when they're colored in some way of course we can say well it's self-motivated but it's self-motivated transcendentally but the sweetness that the Lord shows to those devotees doesn't compare to the sweetness that he shows to the devotee that has no aspiration for anything except serving the devotee of the devotee of the devotee. There's a difference there. So the relative importance of a particular avatar is determined by the greatness of his associates. One of the super-excellent characteristics of Sri Krishna, which distinguishes him from all other forms of God, is that he has unsurpassed loving relationships with his devotees. Prema Madhuri. And this is brought out by Srila Rupa Goswami uh, in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. In a verse that explains four extraordinary loving characteristics of the form of Krishna. And Rupa Goswami, in this section of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, where he gives us this verse, is talking about the loving relationships the devotees have with Lord Narayan. And then he goes on to explain, and there are some devotees which have such a deep, loving relationship that's supreme that they're actually able to experience four specific characteristics of the supreme in love loving relationship and that's the form of Sri Krishna who we consider Swayam Bhagavan the highest form of spiritual revelation those four characteristics of force are then given in this verse that's being quoted here. Um, the abundant amount of loving relationship, the praying, the love between the devotees of this form and other forms is, there's a gulf of difference. It's extremely, extremely deep. Uh, and so that's Prema Madhurya. There's the sweet sound of his flute, which enchants everybody who's in that realm and residing with Sri Krishna. Uh, Venu Madhurya. The sweetness of his form itself is, is unexcelled. Uh, Rupa Madhurya. And the... There's a sweetness in his exchanges with his devotees there. The way those things play out. Leela Madhurya. So by highlighting this verse, Rupa is, is giving, I'm sorry, Jiva Goswami is giving us some insight by tapping on what Rupa Goswami's given in seeing that there is a difference. According to the worshiper, the Lord manifests himself differently, but it's still one supreme personality. 
we should not see that the Virat Rupa is in the same category as the others. It is a material manifestation or meditation of the neophyte yogi in the material world. So this form of the Lord is not worshipable in the way that the other manifestations of the Supreme are. It's recommended to enter into these meditations simply to clear material contamination. There are some other forms of the Lord that are also not equivalent or worshipable. And the example is given here of a pastime of a particular devotee, Ranti Dev, who had a vision of seeing the Supreme Lord in everything and everybody and he was a poor Brahmana so poor that his whole family was on the verge of death they hadn't eaten for 48 nor drink drank any water for 48 days so they, they were at the end and finally somebody came and offered them some food stuff and some water. So they finally sit down. Now we can eat. Somebody's come to feed us. And along came a Brahmana guest. Well, here's a Brahmana guest. They have to they have to properly receive him. So they they take whatever they have and they they take half and they offer it to him. So half of the food and the water goes to him. And of course they don't eat with him. They first are worshipping him and observing him. So they, they serve him with the food and the water. And no, no sooner had he finished and departed than a Sudra guest appeared on their doorstep. So they gave the Sudra half of their food stuff half of the half that they had left they served to this guest then another low class guest came with all of his dogs and they took all the remaining food as a guest so the guest came and he ate and he fed whatever was left to the dogs so finally the family says well we have a little water left so they're sitting ready to honor this water and an outcast showed up begging for water. So they gave that last little bit of water that they had left to the outcast. So the, all these forms were created, they were manifestations of, of the Lord coming to, to highlight you know the the mentality and the uh, the compassion of Krishna's devotee Ranti Dev. We should understand that these forms were created by the Lord's external potency. So these are not worshipable forms. This form that the Brahman and the Chandala, the dogs, and the outcast. Although Ranti Dev saw them 
as the supreme. They're not his personal forms and not worshipable. So the essence of all of Bhagavan's forms exists simultaneously within his one form. Sri Jiva will now conclude this Anucheda and the discussion of Sri Brahma's prayers in the next Anucheda. So the next Anucheda is 41 and we'll discuss that and end up this section of using Brahma's prayers as a praman or evidence by which we can enter into the deeper understandings of Jiva's Anuchedas in the next class. Any questions? Okay. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna.